Hello and welcome to the First Time Founders Podcast, the show where we talk about how to start a business from nothing and grow it into something meaningful. Today we're talking to Adam Johnson, the visionary owner of The Plough in Harborn. It's one of the best all-day dining, drinking pubs in Birmingham. Uh, Adam's owned the property for about 20 years. He's a lifelong hospitality entrepreneur, never had a job working for anybody else. And he'll be the first to confess that he's what we call a visionary in uh, entrepreneurial operating EOS circles. Now, EOS is a company management system that small, medium-sized, owner-led businesses can implement to help them get more out of their businesses. It's all about aligning people around a goal, driving accountability through an organization so that you can deliver better, more sustainable, repeatable customer experiences and ultimately deliver your vision, whether that's growth, profitability, uh, impact, doesn't matter. It's all about making the trains run on time so that you can get to your chosen destination as quickly as possible and frankly, have as much fun as possible along the way. In this episode, Adam talks about how prior to implementing EOS, he was a classically frustrated visionary, introducing so many ideas into his organization that his people got whiplash, struggling to hold people accountable so that the business ran in line with the business that he wanted it to be. He felt like he wasn't really living his true purpose. He was trying to do a thousand things rather than focus on the work that he's best at and then uh, elevate and delegate to a team so that other people could do the things that he doesn't love and isn't so good at. EOS has a really, really well-tested, battle-tested system to enable visionary founders to make exactly this transition. So in today's episode, we go deep on the entrepreneurial operating system from a hospitality operator's perspective. Um, At the end of the show, Adam very generously offers to talk to any hospitality operator that's interested in EOS or wants to learn from his experience. And next year, we'll even be running some, some workshops together for operators that want to test the waters on EOS and learn from each other. Uh, We'll be hosting those at Adam's place in Birmingham. So if you enjoy this episode, do stay tuned to the end so that you can um, get in touch with one of us and get involved in that. So without further ado, enjoy my conversation with Adam Johnson. Adam, welcome to the First Time Founders podcast. Thank you for doing this, my friend. Pleasure. Great to see you. I'm in a dodgy office at the minute. I couldn't get the glamorous office because there's a level 10 going on and that's got to be in the same place, same time. So uh, yeah, I got uh, resigned to the uh, the pub office. <laughs> that's all right. You're keeping it real. For those that are watching rather than listening, they're going to be like, what a down to earth guy. So Adam, we are, um, as you know, this is the first time founders podcast. There's a million different things we could talk about on the founder journey, but you very kindly offered to come on and talk me and the viewers and listeners through EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system from a hospitality entrepreneur's perspective. So we'll definitely get into your life story, but why don't we, why don't we start at the end? How did you discover EOS and, and why did it resonate with you? Wow. So I joined just before lockdown, a group called Vistage, which is kind of a, I guess it's in a, in a nice way, a self-help group for business owners, people who don't really have anyone to bounce their ideas off. And you kind of join a chapter. I joined just before lockdown and the guys in the group were talking about introducing traction into their lives or into their businesses. I'd never heard of it. So came out of the first meeting, got it straight on audio book as I drove back from Leicester, which was about an hour away. And I listened to it and thought, oh, my 
goodness, I need this in my life. This is me. This is just talking to me. And so I listened to it and then just could not get enough of it. You know, I just then was thinking, right, this is a way out of a situation where I've been in hospitality pretty much all my adult life. Uh, I've never, never worked for anybody. I've owned my own business all the way through and managed to make successes, failures, etc. But at the time that I've reached, it was a point where I just couldn't go much further. Do you need to be in just to get your... No problem. We got people coming into print, and, and so um, Adam, Adam, why don't you t- tell people about the plow? Actually, that's that's actually a good segue into talking about the plow sure, harbour and where you know, are now, because it's a big old business, isn't it? Where we are now, we are a pub on a high street opposite of Marks and Spencers. You can kind of picture the the, the scene: a Pizza Express on the high street, a Waitrose at the other end. Reasonably affluent area of Birmingham that is about two miles from the city centre. Lots of chimney pots, a big hospital, a university on our doorstep, and we are uh, we're a pub on that high street that, over the last twenty odd years, has grown, expanded through um, through extensions, through purchasing the buildings next door, um, to knock through, to add capacity, to add kitchen space, to add meeting rooms. Um, to develop garden, a garden at the back, and most recently to develop accommodation that is separate to the uh, to the business. But we have about eighty five to ninety staff, uh, probably about sixty full time. By full time, I mean thirty hours and, and over. Um, and it's a yeah, it's a big business that opens to the public at eight thirty every morning and closes at midnight. We do breakfast, lunch, dinner. Um, we make our own bread, our own dough, our own burgers. Pretty much everything that comes in gets transferred or, or, or created into some sort of product to sell in terms of uh, the, through the kitchens. We run, we, we're a, a local pub that does comfort food predominantly. So pizzas, burgers, a, a great Sunday lunch on Sunday. So the gravy is literally on Monday morning, they start making the gravy for the following Sunday. And so <laughs> it's just literally a pot just bubbling at the back of the kitchen. So I've been here 20 years. I've got amazing staff predominantly, mm. um, which has helped me get to where I have got to. But I probably didn't have any of the tools that Traction has helped me start to understand and develop within the team that has allowed me to just take a little bit of a step back and and just start to enjoy the business, which I absolutely love. And I always have loved it, but <laughs> the journey through Traction and EOS has just made the whole thing so much better. So I'm going to come on to um, to quiz you about how you've applied the ver- the, the six prime the six tools in, in, in EOS. But before we do that, can you just... Can you just induct people into what it means to be a visionary? That's a very special role in the in the wow. US that about fifty percent of organisations have. What does it mean to be a long suffering visionary? So I had no, I ne- never heard this term and thought it was a bit of a uh, a naff term, and I would never <laughs> want to associate myself with that. But after reading Traction or listening to Traction, I then listened to the book called Rocket Fuel, and Traction made me think: this is what I need in my business. But then reading Rocket or listening to Rocket Fuel made me understand that I was actually part of the problem. And actually, Rocket Fuel describes visionary uh, owners who are people that very often found it, uh, are founders 
and then they they start a business they have incredible drive they have incredible vision they have 100 ideas a, a day 99 are <laughs> rubbish are absolutely rubbish and they are full of ideas but then um and they very often take an idea and get it to uh, fruition and i think i'd managed to do that but it spent 20 years doing both jobs being very creative and full of ideas but equally trying to manage and deliver my vision and actually again listening to rocket fuel i was like oh my god this is me this is me i cause so a visionary would notoriously come in and interfere with things would mess tinker with things um not intentionally never intentionally but come in and cause problems that's all right. We've got printing coming in. There's, a, this, there's level 10s everywhere in this building. But yeah, <laughs> guys, I would not intentionally, but come in and cause all sorts of unintentional organizational whiplash where one day I'd be saying, right, we're going to do this. The next day I'd be saying we're going to do the other, which is very difficult for a team because they don't know where they sit and they don't know where, where they stand. So that has been a real eye-opener for me, which I haven't necessarily... Uh, well, I'm trying to just be a bit more moderate in terms of how I'm trying to behave with the team. And it's really helped me to understand, again, the unintentional chaos that I cause by, right, let's do this. Come on, let's do that. Uh, today we're making sushi. Tomorrow we're making pasta. Tomorrow we're making uh, roast dinners. And it just goes all over the place. And the team don't know where to, to be, which is why EOS would prescribe an integrator someone that comes in and effectively distills all the ideas and keeps me on track. Well, um, you say come, you say comes in, but they're, they, they may already be working in the business, right? The integrator is a full-time yeah. role that in a non-EOS world, people would typically think of as an MD or COO, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And my integrator, James has worked with me for um, probably 10, 12 years. And um, again, we probably didn't realize the roles and historically, um, I would have the final say. Now in the EOS world, the integrator has the final say, which initially is quite difficult to accept. If you're a founder of a business, it's really tough. Because you're totally. thinking, hang on, this is, this is my baby. This is my business. But actually, if you really embrace the tools and really embrace the philosophy, actually, you, you sometimes have to accept that you're not always right and you're, you may actually be causing more damage to an organization or to a business by pushing forward with 100 ideas that never get finished, that uh, some of them are great, some of them are terrible, and, and really <laughs> just try and stay in lane, which is what um, James certainly has helped me do. And again, using yeah. a lot of the tools in the, in the books through the, the, the crystallizer assessment is great for anybody who hasn't done that i think you can sign up to rocket fuel it's free of charge but there's an assessment that you can go through and it will will just it will help you kind of work out who you really are well we'll jump into some of the tools because i think that's it's interesting but just to and actually we'll start with vision because i think it's what i found when i've sort of seen visionaries coming to terms with being visionaries and the opportunities and the challenges and limitations is that they do worry about letting go i think eos call it letting go of the vine but once you get into a 90-day world and you've got your meeting pulses and the business is running to a prescribed vision, 
that's actually what keeps you in control, isn't it? Because the, the, the integrator is not going to set a vision that the visionary doesn't agree with. The integrator is going to help to execute in service of the vision, which basically means that you sort of still are in control, but just not at a micro level where you're going to yeah. you're actually going to undermine your own vision. Do you want to talk about vision, the VTO? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's been a brilliant document to help us crystallize and then almost um, be able to describe to people what we're trying to do, where we're trying to go. And historically, the vision was very, very woolly. It was because of me, no one had pinned me down and I was all over the place. One day this, the next day that. (laughs) And therefore, it was very, very difficult for anyone to say, well, where are we going? Where are we actually going? And now we've um, we've worked hard, and and though we all know that that we have it in EOS, it's a ten year vision, and clearly things, and we've seen that with COVID, we've seen that with cost of living, we've seen that with inflation. Who knows what's around the corner? But we do have something that we can really aim towards, and it's, um, you know, it's a big what do they call it? Big hairy audacious goal, you know, something. That's it, yeah. The Jim, Jim Collins, the the, yeah, yeah. the BHAG, and it, but it also encourages you to break down, right? So you have got your ten year, then your three year, then your one year, which eventually come down into your sort of 90, 90 day objectives. Can you can you give viewers and listeners a kind of an example of something that's a short term initiative that's in service of your long term goal? Does anything come yeah, to mind? Absolutely. We we have a situation where we're one site and we're now looking to grow. Um, which EOS has helped me or has given me confidence that I feel I can grow. Um, before I felt um, my confidence, confidence had probably been knocked because I thought, I can't keep doing this. That Every time the phone rings, it's something that ends up on my desk or my doorstep. But EOS has helped me to, to release some of that and for me to be in my sweet spot. And so as a result, we've looked at things like, if we're going to grow, we need to develop the management team internally, which is a clearly an obvious thing to do but actually to break that down into a 90-day target to say right all supervisors need to be in a position where they can run a Saturday night and a Saturday night or a Saturday in this place is probably two two and a half thousand covers coming through the doors on a on a with the place having potentially 300 people sat down up to 35 staff needing to be managed with two kitchens different departments and trying to ensure that they are that a the customers are having a brilliant time b the staff know what they're doing and are equally having a great time uh, making the place or ensuring the place is safe uh, and 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 the place is clean and it looks fit for purpose and you know that is a big job even for someone with a lot of experience in hospitality but we realise as a leadership team, we can't move on until we've protected that, that um, the golden goose, I suppose, the main, the main source of income. So we've had to really work on breaking down and saying, right, how do we get our supervisors to this next level, which creates in EOS another tool, which is the process. So while we're doing that, we're also creating a process which then will be followed by the next round of supervisors, hopefully and the next round. And so we've got something in place where historically there was bits of training all over the place on one drives here, there and everywhere, where now we're trying to pull it into one, one overall document. I think I'm so you've alluded to, no, no, it's brilliant. So you've alluded to the vision, vision tool, you've or vision component of the model. You've alluded to the process component of the model and you sort of hinted at people 
Um, EOS, of course, has this, this, this tool called the People Analyzer, right? Where you have to see if people get it, like they sort of intuitively just have the, you know, a God-given gift for a particular role. They want it, um, i.e. they actually want to do that role. And then they have the capacity, the kind of acquired skills of the, of, the, of the time. Can you, maybe in the context of a supervisor, obviously don't name any names, but can you talk about what it's like when you realize that you've got somebody in a seat, EOS calls role seats, that doesn't GWC, doesn't get it, want it, or have the capacity. Yeah, yeah. It's, pretty, it's, pretty, it's really confronting, isn't it? It's really difficult, really. Um, the, the people analyze it. Again, I really struggle with the name, but wow, it's an amazing tool. Absolutely brilliant in the fact that you you look at your core values and you um, you you grade people whether they whether they uh, mirror the core values eighty percent of the time. None of us can mirror core values all the time. All of us have bad days, but the idea is if if eighty percent of the time someone mirrors the value, then they're they're the, they're a right person. <laughs> if they plus minus it, then you obviously can't have plus minuses in all the all the values otherwise they're the wrong person and if they're a minus they shouldn't be in your organization but then the gwc and very often you can see people get the core values and that's you can see that they live it they understand it but we've always been guilty of taking a great bartender or a great chef and moving them into a management position where actually they just want to be great chefs or great man uh, great bartenders the to actually then get a leadership role where they really get what that means and Actually, to be a leader, you know, talks about LMA in leading, managing, and leading plus managing equals accountability. And very often, people make amazing food, amazing drink, but actually, their sweet spot is not leading people or holding people accountable. That's a different set of skills. It's hard, um, isn't it? Holding people accountable yeah, really, is really super difficult. difficult. Really yeah, difficult. Really, really, really hard. Particularly if, particularly if you're a caring founder, which I think most founders in hospitality actually yeah, are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And they want to see the best in everybody. And sometimes it's really tough to say, I'm sorry, you you just don't get it. And some people just don't get it. They don't get it. And no, then, no. It's the, then some people get it. They really understand it. They really understand the role. They know exactly what it is. But you can tell they don't want it. They don't want to be there. They'd yeah. rather be working nine to five in a golf club or still maybe in hospitality, but they don't want to do the late nights. They don't want the busy bar or the busy kitchen or the, and I can understand that sometimes it's really stressful when you're dealing with customers who want changes on their burgers on this, uh, on that, on the other, they want everything delivered right now. And sometimes it's really stressful equally. Other people thrive on that and they love that and they get energy from it. And so having to want something is also really, really important. And then the thing that we've struggled with most recently is the capacity. How do you know yeah. whether someone's got the capability or the capacity to do the job? And you can look at them in a role where they get all your values. They may apply for the job. So it suggests that they, they want the job. And you'd think, you know what, they get this job. They've worked here. They understand this job. But then putting them into that capacity role, you know, the, the, are they mentally resilient enough? to move from just serving a customer to then leading a, a shift or leading a team, it's a very different dynamic and you still have to be able to do both. And until someone's in that role, we've found it really, really tough. And so we're really having to review our process to think how, how and be really honest with people and say, you know what, Rob, I think you're great as a bartender, but can, are you really going to be able to deal with the stress of the the issues with, customers complaining on table 50 
the internet going down because something's gone wrong, uh, a clash of tables because we're overbooked or something's happened, dealing with a, an issue in one of the kitchens. When all of that's going on, do you have the do you have the desire and the, at that point the mental and physical capacity to do that? Because it's tough. It really I, I, so tough. it's 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 so so hard. I've really struggled with that because telling someone that they don't have capacity when they want it feels unbelievably hurtful you know it yeah, takes, yeah, you back yeah. to prim- takes you back to primary school you know and not yeah, picking yeah. someone for the the dance or the sports team yeah. or whatever you know it's really savage but yeah eos asks you to come to it being open and willing to put this you know put the organization and the vision and everybody first over the needs right. of any one I- individual talk about <coughs> the issues then because because obviously in the example you just gave where you're a leadership team and you do the people analyzer and you realize that you've got a right person, wrong seat issue. Um, how, how do you how do you deal with that? Can you talk a little bit about IDS and, and how most organizations like endlessly discuss issues, but they don't identify root causes or ever move to solution? Yeah, again, in terms of the tools, the, the level 10, whether we'll come on to that, the, 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 the meeting pulse or the meeting that they prescribe through the OHS is absolutely brilliant. It's fantastic. And yeah, we'll you get, get to, to the that point for sure. in the meeting where issues come up. Every single business has issues every day of the week. And the idea is that rather than just almost fight, be firefighting, you're, you're actually stopping the root cause. So you're going to the real root of what is the issue. Is the issue that we keep having a really bad service on Sunday? Is the issue because we're overbooking it? Is the issue because we've got the wrong person in the wrong seat running Sundays? Or... Or, as I say, going back, we discovered that we hadn't closed the bookings off between quarter to 12 and quarter past 12 when our kitchens turned from a brunch service to a Sunday lunch service. And it means the kitchen needs to be almost broken down and reset up. And we were still pouring customers in, in those half an hour, that half an hour window and expecting everything to to work correctly. And when you take a step back and you really really dig deep into what what is the issue here you very much find that it's not the superficial issue that oh well so and so can't run a sunday it's actually something much deeper than that and if you put a put the right fix and go deep and try and find out and give everyone the opportunity to talk and to be heard then come to a solve and then come to uh, or then then discuss and then come to a solve we find that nine times out of ten that issue just disappears forever where it's been coming up time and time and time again and i look back at some of our early uh, yeah. early ideas a few years ago and think that that's coming up time and time again why is that where now these issues just are dealt with and they just go which is amazing and it's brilliant because we can try and yeah. almost identify where they sit in the in the eos or the traction wheel it's a people issue or it's a process issue in the Sunday lunch example I've given, is it, it was a process issue. We got the process wrong and we were letting people pile into the place when we couldn't physically serve them because the kitchen wasn't in a position to serve. It's amazing. When, you, when that penny drops, I, I went through exactly the same thing with, with my business. So we talked about vision, people, issues, process. Can we talk a bit about data and, and, and the scorecard? Because I think... I think people have got sort of data fatigue working in hospitality in all industries where we all know that we're supposed to be making data-driven decisions. We've all invested in systems that ha- that are exporting or have the ability to export tons of data to us. 
And yet, in my experience, nine out of 10, probably more hospitality leadership teams do not actually run on data. So what does it mean to be data driven from an EOS um, company perspective, Adam? Like, how is your business different now running on EOS than it was before I, I think from a data right. perspective? EOS definitely pres- prescribes less is more, which is some, for someone, a visionary, I need loads of information. I want loads. I want to learn. I want to listen. I want to... And actually, certainly in hospitality, I don't know about everyone's business, but in hospitality, you're very much up against it with um, labour costs um, and, and maintaining that. And there is lots and lots of data out there, but sometimes there's almost data overload. And really, the scorecard tells you what you want to know. If you're on a desert island, what are the key things you want to know to see whether your business is on track or off track? You mean if you couldn't call someone? So basically, if you couldn't meddle as a visionary, you could just look at this one document that contained a series of metrics. Basically, you need to construct that document so it tells you everything you need to know about whether your business is performing or not when you're on a desert island and you cannot call anyone to meddle. Is that a fair fair definition? Absolutely, yeah. That's that's how I define it, yeah. I want to be away (laughs) and I want to download the scorecard or it goes into a Slack channel and I look at it and go, right, okay, Turnover was good last week, but the labour percentage was off. Customer satisfaction's down. Right, there's an issue there. Okay, that's not good. Staff staff satisfaction's down. Okay, we've got an issue there. And it very quickly tells you how your business is performing based on the metrics that you want. And there's so many metrics in hospitality. Spend per head, number of bookings, number of covers, number of future covers. There's, there's so much. And obviously, everybody's different. And they'll have things that they want to know if they were on a on a desert island, but we find it's really, really powerful. And obviously within different departments within your organization, so the key leadership scorecard has the real, real headlines. But if you dig a bit deeper, the kitchen scorecard might have how many complaints there were last week. It might have how how long did it take for dishes to arrive at a table? Um, If you've got a target of 10 minutes and 60% were 12 minutes, then there's an issue. And it allows us to dig deeper and hold people accountable, find out in each department where there are issues and, and why is it why why was why did it take twelve minutes to get to the table? Oh well the the Sunday lunch meat slicer was broken. It failed on Sunday lunch. Ah, okay, that's an issue. It's not a big issue because we can get it swapped and next week we're back up and running. But if actually every week it's always twelve minutes or fifteen minutes, what there's a bigger issue here. There's something else that's going on that we're, we've got a problem with, which allows us to dig deeper, and that would become an issue on the, the weekly level 10. Or if it's a bigger issue, if it becomes a bigger issue, that would go on to our quarterly um, quarterly issues list, which it may well be that our kitchens are just basically not big enough for the volume of business. And, okay, that's a big issue. You don't solve that in a weekly meeting. Um, well, so- let's, let's 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 talk about that, Adam, because you now hinted at traction. You alluded to it earlier, and it makes sense. So, so traction is the kind of it, 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 that's your that's your pulse, which you've just you've just talked about, and and your rock. So, your quarterly initiatives, and then your weekly, quarterly, and annual meetings that the EOS prescribes. Um, why is a level ten meeting called a level ten, Adam? Like, is, it's contrasted, isn't it, with the <laughs> average experience that people yeah, have of doing I think, meetings? I, think, I mean, previous to this our meetings were an absolute shambles and one of the reasons I joined this team <laughs> to get this whole thing going was I thought there's got to be a better way to run a meeting and because I've been self-employed all my life I've never sat in other people's meetings I've always right. had to do it myself and 
oh, I sat in meetings and thought, this is a joke. People with their laptops open, people answering phones, people um, doing things, doing their to-dos, doing things while they're in a meeting, people turning up um, late, people leaving the meeting halfway through. It was an absolute, meetings going on for hours. And, and it was just an absolute disaster. And then come the level 10, we get introduced to a level 10. And, and I think the level 10 is called a level 10 because they want people to love going to meetings. And most people would rate their meetings at about a four, where they're unproductive, they don't enjoy them, they're going through the same thing. And actually now, a level 10 is something that I think, well, I love them, I look forward to going to them. And they're a really structured way where we are, We've changed so much in terms of people being late for meetings or walking out or having their phones on. Now, if you're sat in this meeting and you're if you're late, that means if you're not five minutes early, you're late. You know, so we expect people to be in yeah. the room at five to nine if we're starting at nine, and we're on we're off at nine o'clock. Um, and um, it's a brilliant way. Again, it felt really awkward to start with. It was a really difficult. Um, process and it just felt clunky to start with but once you get into them and we've been running them for probably about a year now and it does take I'd say our um, implementer said it'll take 25 weeks to get you really good at these and it has taken us and we still wouldn't say we're masters at all we're still we're still learning and we're still rating our meetings maybe an eight because we don't necessarily all go around the table and in an organized way we don't necessarily get our issues on the board in a in a way that's understandable for everybody. So we're still learning. Well, I, the difference in our meetings is just phenomenal. I love your humility. I mean, look, we're all still learning. As you know, I'm taking the qualification to certify as an implementer next next month. And I, I, I know I'm definitely going to learn a lot next month. But the thing that's already come through to me from EOS Worldwide, the organization that convenes EOS, is that they're all still learning. Like the guys that yeah. created the system <laughs> say that they're still learning. So what I love about the, I mean, I can see why people follow you because you are so sort of humbly confident, but like the system kind of forces you to be humble, doesn't it? And accept oh, that you're well, going to continue yeah, yeah, learning because yeah. it's such a, because it's such a dynamic, it's such a dynamic system. Okay. So you've talked about um, issues and quarterly objectives and meeting polls. So um, just for viewers and listeners that are interested, basically in that weekly meeting, you will bring up issues uh, if they can be resolved in a week, then they'll go on to a to-do list. And as Adam said, you then they're assigned and people are accountable for getting them done in a week. If they can't be done by the next level 10 meeting next week, then they'll go on the company issues list. And in your quarterly session, you'll um, consider whether that issue is still a big enough issue that it needs to be potentially assigned to someone as a what they call a rock, which is a, a task that you have 90 days to get through. Adam, do you want to, can you give some examples of things that you've you've allocated as rocks in the plough? Yeah, sure. Um, it, these are the big things, the big things that I suppose when you get up in the morning and you come in, this is what you should be working on. And very often, I know previously, I open my diary and I think I'm a pretty organized person. I'd open my diary or my to-do list and I'd probably start working from the bottom and ticking quick things off, the, the things that I can get rid of really quickly. And then you kind of look and think, well, actually, the day's gone. And the most important thing I should have been working on was, for example, making sure our supervisors are up to a level that will allow us to grow. Because if we don't get that sorted, we can't grow. Or if we do grow, we're likely to harm the, the core business. And so me or my staff or, or the leadership team tinkering around the edges, doing very quick fixes, is not going to help us in the long term. 
And so we've had um, big, big kind of bigger issues that needed to get finished. So our accommodation uh, that we've just opened was a rock that needed to be finished and needed to be up and running. And that was a uh, effectively a drain on cash. And uh, therefore it dragged on for too long and therefore it became someone's rock to get that finished and get it 75% occupied. It became... Um, as I say, the supervisor or the training rock the, the, was a really, really important thing for us. Um, our EPOS system, so swapping over an EPOS system so that we can get better and more informed data is a really big rock, but it needed structure. And historically, we wouldn't have structured mm. it. It would have been, right, we're going to look at a TIL system or an EPOS system. This is what we're going to do, X, Y, Z. And it would move on but not really in a structured way that was communicated to the rest of the team. So everybody knew what was happening. Um, we have really worked on rolling out the EOS tools. So that's been something in our first year and a half. And I still don't think um, we are there yet in rolling out to the whole organization, our VTO, our vision, where are we going and how we do that. And so that has been on as a rock that we're going to roll out the the fundamental tools or the five core tools. And we thought we've nailed it. We've got there. We've done it. And I can see that <laughs> as you get deeper into this process, so it came off the rocks list two months ago or three months ago. And as we've got deeper and we're working and we're learning and we're going through the people analyzer, the idea I discussed before about finding people that you think are going to fit, but then they don't have the capability you then get to a point of thinking, right, you know what, this might need to go back on as a rock to really go deeper again, to roll out the tools or, so it's, it, it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant system to focus everybody and align everybody in the same way in the organization for 90 days. That's amazing, Adam. So let's, um, would you mind just talking very briefly about self-implementation and why you use the implementer? And then just for those watching and listening, um, Adam works with a guy called Martin Andrew. He's an amazing guy. He's been a little bit of a mentor to me. He's one of the guys that inspired me to go and get certificated to implement myself. So I just want to be really clear that Adam's worked with Martin Andrew, even though I'm embarking on that journey. So this isn't a plug for for my emerging practice. But Adam, can you can you can you talk a little bit about why you worked with Martin and an implementer, having tried to self implement first? Yeah. So we, as I said, I I got involved before, or I, I was exposed to it before lockdown and we worked uh, internally i worked internally with someone that really re read the book and really got it and she was absolutely great and we put a lot of work together to present the the concept to the team and that happened just uh, probably the tuesday before lockdown and clearly everything just went out of the window and we got through lockdown doing whatever we could came out of lockdown and and as we came out of lockdown I really really wanted to push forward with traction and I talked to my leadership team and they felt that um we should reach out and speak to a, a, an implementer so I spoke to Martin and I remember being on the phone to Martin and saying look we've, we've all read the book we all know what we're doing really you're not you're going to be almost preaching to the converted so almost you don't really need to tell us about a scorecard you don't need to really tell us about this, that, the other. And Martin came in and, and explained how the whole process worked. And it became so clear that we had just scratched the surface. We hadn't realized how deep and how 
powerful these tools were and how un, uneducated we were with regard to using them and knowing how they were going to work. And it very quickly became clear that if we wanted to move this forward quickly, and when I say quickly, for a visionary quickly, this is never quick enough. You know, from my point of view, <laughs> this is going so slow. But equally, I can look back two years and look how far we've come. But a visionary tends to want things done yesterday. They want things they have. They can't take their foot off the pedal. They want to keep going all take, the time. Take, take, take the shortcut. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> do, do it quicker, faster. And so uh, um, we would never uh, have been able to get I had to where we I got. had the same thing. We just would never have been able to get to where we got without Martin in terms of his depth of knowledge and the structure and delivering it. We would have had to try and learn it. We're not trained in learning it whilst trying to run a bar, restaurant, whilst trying to deal with everything that goes on. And so we just, and also because, because of my visionary things, my staff said it was not called traction, it was called fraction because I tried to change everything. I tried to change the rocks instead of them being every 90 days, I tried to change them into monthly things that were linked to bonuses. And it was just me trying to mess with the system. And it just, it just doesn't work. And I certainly think that they talk about um, sticking with one system. And you might see things from other, other operating systems or other things that you think, wow, that looks great. That's, and, I, and I still am really, really attracted by those shiny things. But equally, all the tools that you need are in EOS and it's just digging deeper and deeper each time. And every time I come to a tool, I learn something more or the penny drops, certainly when I'm talking to someone like Martin who just really gets it. So Adam, we um, in the new year, you very generously offered to host a kind of a first get together for, for UK hospitality operators that are either on or interested in self-implementing or assisted implementing EOS um, and obviously uh, Jay Bates from Marais going to join us are you happy for folks to like other operators to reach out to you between between now and then so that they can pick your brains yeah, a bit absolutely. more detail and decide I, if they decide I, if they want to come join that session absolutely yeah I mean I, it's changed my life for the better it's been brilliant for my personal relationships my relationships at, at work my own personal mental health, my headspace, it's been absolutely brilliant. And I can't recommend it to anybody enough. Some people are already sorted. They've already nailing their business and it's absolutely great, which absolutely fantastic. But I know, and the number of people I talk to that are self-employed or run their own businesses, and they are, they're struggling, they're finding it tough. And we go into business to open and hopefully it's meant to give us freedom of time and freedom of money and all of those sorts of things and very often you find that you're working harder than everybody for less or and so <laughs> yeah. this has just really opened my eyes into a better way and it's you know what it's a much better way for the staff the people that work with me now I would argue I think if you spoke to them would say the plow is a much better place than it was two years ago and it was a pretty good place two years ago I would hope but now I it's it really is great I, I actually can testify to that because I've visited the plough. I've met many of your team now as I've gone on this journey myself and that, that absolutely resonates. So listen, folks, if you um, are excited by what you've heard from Adam today and you do want to come and hang out with us in the new year and, and talk about scorecards and vision and people and, and uh, issues and process with, with other like-minded operators that um, 
that are embarking on the same journey, maybe just a little bit ahead or perhaps even behind you, then um, please do. Uh, I'll put the mine and Adam's contact information in the show notes and you can reach out. Adam, God bless you. Thank you so much for doing this. It's, I, I've, I've, I always learn something when I speak to you and I know people that have been watching and listening this definitely will have too. 